Welcome to Center Ice. It is the 17th of September in the year 2021. The NHL season is less than a month away. Training camps are starting as we speak. Rookie tournaments begin this weekend. Lots and lots of exciting stuff coming down the pipe, but still not a whole lot of new news to report on just yet, but still lots and lots to talk about. So we'll get right into that. First things first, the uh, big news that's coming out of Ottawa, it's still unconfirmed as of the time of this recording, and it's a little up in the air, but the rumors are that Brady Kachuk has been offered an 8 by 8 by the Ottawa Senators, and really, I see no reason why he wouldn't accept that. Do you, Mac? No, I mean, you're getting paid more than you possibly thought you would, and you're also getting a long-term deal, which you've been waiting for. So we're not really sure what the holdup is here because it appears this contract was reportedly offered a couple days ago, but yet we've heard absolutely nothing since then. And he's still uh, a holdout, if you will. Yep. And I think that at some point in the next week, it will come out. I wouldn't be surprised if the Sens are telling Kachak, we're going to wait until you're in Ottawa and we're going to do a big press conference or something like that. There's been all sorts of rumors on. Twitter from Sean Simpson and Bruce Garriott and Elliot Friedman saying Kachak's here. No, he's there. And at the end of the day, you just need to uh, tune out the noise. And once you get, once you tune it all out, the only thing that does seem to be coming in loud and clear, Mac, is eight by eight offered to Kachak. So the ball is probably in his court. We don't know whether he's accepted it, but if you're a Sens fan worried about Kachak, I wouldn't worry at this point because quite frankly, Mac, he'd be stupid to turn down an 8 by 8 As you mentioned, you're not going to get that money anywhere else. That's more money than you ever expected. And I'd still argue it's a bit of an overpayment. You and I talked about this on the last episode. We said that Kachuk's probably more of like a six, six and a half million dollar player. But the Sens obviously see a lot of value in Brady Kachuk and know that he's a fan favorite and certainly could see him as a captain potentially as early as this season. So I think that's why the Sens are offering him more money. I think they want to prove to fans that, look, we're willing to commit to our players. We're willing to spend the money to get to the playoffs and contend for a Stanley Cup, especially after uh, Eugene Malik has garnered a reputation for being cheap. But at the moment, that's all rumors. So once we hear some more on that, we will be sure to report it on an episode of Center Ice. Anyhow, we've got some exciting stuff to talk about today with the lack of uh, really any NHL signings, whether it be FA or RFA Mac, we uh, need to do something to fill the episode. And the only other big news that came out between the last episode and this episode is the NHL is officially going to the Olympics. So that got us thinking. It's been almost 10, 8 to 10 years since the NHL last went to the Winter Olympics. And that's a lot of time in hockey sense. So we wanted to take a look at the 2014 Winter Olympics rosters from a few countries and basically just do our own sort of mock rosters. And the results ended up being pretty interesting, eh, Mac? Yeah, for sure. And and just a spoiler alert, there is a lot of change here, folks. I mean, a lot has changed since the Sochi Olympics in 2014. So let's talk about that. 
Absolutely. Well, let's jump into uh, Team Canada. Well, a, a team that you and I uh, definitely had some struggles picking as we got farther and farther down the roster. And in terms of who's coming back, it's not a lot. But Crosby's going to come back. Bergeron will come back. Price will come back. Doughty is definitely a maybe. And Petrangelo, you can put in there as well on defense. But other than that, this is a pretty much brand new Team Canada roster, a much younger Team Canada roster, a much faster Team Canada roster, and a much more offensively minded Team Canada roster than what we saw in 2014. So what do you have for your top line here, Mac? All right. So first of all, the biggest change is that Connor McDavid is is in the lineup, which he wasn't before, obviously. He wasn't playing yet. But for my top line, I've got Sidney Crosby, Brad Marchand with Nathan McKinnon. Not bad. And I look at that top line, Mac, and you and I had some debates about what would we put out as our top line. And you ultimately won me over on your top line because of just the the experience from guys like Crosby and McKinnon and Marchand. It'd be a great way to start off a game, especially against a team like the United States. You want to have that experience. You mentioned when we were discussing about the two-way game, defensive minus, offensive minus, and that's a really, really good top line. That's an all-star lineup right there. Yeah. All right. What do you think for the second line, Matt? And then we we moved down, and this was originally going to be the top line until you convinced me otherwise. I eventually decided to go with Marner, Point, and McDavid. And I know some of you might be thinking, sacrilege McDavid on the second line, but I think you convinced, you portrayed it well, Mac. You said that McDavid is a, is a really, really good player, but you just can't beat out Crosby's wisdom experience at this point. He's no longer said the kid. This is going to be... I think it's his third Olympics. Yeah, it will be his third Olympics at this point. So he's not a rookie to the Olympics. And not that McDavid's bad. McDavid will be on that top line, presumably if the NHL decides to go to the 2026 Winter Olympics in Italy. But for now, I think McDavid, Point, and Marner make a really good offensive second line. Who do you have on that third line, Mac? Yeah, so for the third line, first of all, Patrice Bergeron is coming back and a new guy, two new guys in the fold. We got Mark Stone, who is a terrific defensive player, great play driver, and also Jonathan Huberto, probably the most underrated superstar in the league. That is a terrific third line. And and now things get interesting. As we got farther and farther down on our forward group, you and I really had some tough conversations about who do we want to fill out that fourth line? And who do we want to bring as our spare players? Because in the Olympics, you're allowed to bring two spare players. And a lot of people may not think too much about them, but those spare spots can make a big difference in a short term, and especially if someone gets injured or someone needs some rest. So on that third line, after a lot of discussion, uh, we decided to go with Shifley, Barzell, and Taveras. And a lot of conversation about who we might want to bring in for that Ultimately, on the bench, after a lot of conversation, you decided to bring Toffoli and Couturier. But certainly wasn't easy to make that decision. And I think Team Canada, they're going to have their hands full on who should they bring in the forward group? Because Canada, obviously, is a very stacked forward group. 
Yeah, for sure. And just a few guys I want to mention, and these are just our picks, guys. But one guy I want to mention is Carter Verhage. He was terrific with Florida last year. Took him a little while to develop as an NHL player. Went through the Tampa Bay system, was originally with Toronto. And now he's just an extremely good player for the Florida Panthers. So he could be a guy that Team Canada picks there. But also, I think you have to keep an eye on Ryan O'Reilly and also his teammate, David Perron. Those are all really good players that should have a good shot to make this team. All right. Well, let's move on to defense. And uh, once again, defense, we found ourselves debating for quite a while on who we would bring in terms of the top three defensive pairings. And we ultimately ended up with a top pairing of Nurse and Petrangelo. And this is another pairing that you look at and you just think, is this the all-star game or something? Because that is a fabulous pairing. But once we got started getting below that, that's where it got really interesting, eh, Mac? Yeah, for sure. So another new guy that's coming in is Dougie Hamilton. I mean, he's a terrific defenseman. He can also play either side. So we've got him with Kale McCarr on that second pairing, which should be terrific for Team Canada. Absolutely. And then on our uh, final pairing, we've got Pelik and Polak. And those two, uh, funny enough, we almost forgot him. And then you brought him up and said, we got to put him in. And I said, we said, yeah, absolutely got to put him in. And then in terms of spares, it got real tough there because there's all sorts of, a whole bunch of guys that are right on the fringe of being, of uh, making this roster because there's a lot of good players. But ultimately we decided to go with Mackenzie Weger and Shea Theodore. And some of you may be thinking, Shea Theodore as your spare, that's crazy. But that just shows you the depth that Team Canada has on defense. If Shea Theodore and Mackenzie Weger are the guys you have sitting on the bench, defensive depth is not a problem for Team Canada. And in terms of goaltending, this was actually one of the uh, easier ones to do. We ultimately decided to go with uh, Marc-Andre Fleury as our starter. And I know some of you may be thinking that uh, Carey Price should have gone that role. But Carey Price, uh, he's recovering from injury. And although Fleury, uh, his future is also a little bit on uh, uneven grounds, I, I do believe that if Fleury was offered a, a role with Team Canada this winter, he would absolutely take it. And his stats speak for themselves in Vegas. You and I have gone over Fleury's time in Vegas time and time again. He's been a he's been a brick wall in Vegas for years. He's not coming off an injured an injury like Carey Price's. And I think Fleury's just a little more consistent. I think that's what gave him the edge in my book. What do you think, Mac? Yeah, absolutely. And I actually want to throw in a little tidbit here. When I interviewed Marc-Andre Fleury, he said one of his fondest memories was playing for Team Canada in the Olympics. So it's a big deal. And I know he's old and I know he's kind of nearing retirement, but he's still elite. And if he's offered that opportunity, I don't see why he would turn it down. No, I, I don't think any of these guys are going to turn down the opportunity to play for their country. And then in terms of the third goaltender, we decided to go Jordan Bennington. And that's a pretty good third option as well. But we also, uh, we thought about guys like Darcy Kemper, Carter Hart, potentially, if he can turn things around. Uh, two years ago, if they were planning the Olympic roster, I think Carter Hart might have gone that third spot, Mac. But after the uh, brutal season he and the Philadelphia Flyers had last year, he's going to need to... Uh, really impress the Team Canada scouts at the start of this season to crack that roster. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's move on to the United States of America. Now, this is a roster that hardly had anyone returning. Basically, an entirely brand new roster here. 
really one the only guys that guy that returned is uh Patrick Kane, Joe Pavelski. It's very very Oshi. It's very very small eternal return rate here. And what you and I decide to do here with the United States roster is, and I think this is what the Americans will actually do is we're gonna we're gonna go young and we're gonna go fast for the most part. A lot of guys that are still in the early stages of their NHL career, but an awful lot of talent among them. So how about you lead off what our top line is for our projected American Olympic roster, Mac? All right. So on the left side, we have Max Pacioretty, the veteran, still a very, very good player, even at his age. And then we've got Austin Matthews centering Patrick Kane on the right-hand side. That's a pretty good first line, if you ask me. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I think the American, can you imagine, Mac, uh, Team Canada versus USA? Let's assume that our rosters come true. Team Canada, USA group stage. You have Crosby, Marshawn, McKinnon going out against Matthews, Kane, and Pacioretty for an opening faceoff. That, w- that would be quite something. And it very well might happen. Just shows you the how much talent are on these two uh, countries' rosters. Anyways, on to the second line. On the left side, we've got Kyle Connor. Center, we've got Jack Eichel. Now, Jack Eichel, we've got him on here on the contingent that he recovers from the injury he's been facing and he w- that he will be good to go for the Olympics in February. And then on the right side, we got Jake Gensel, who will be a very good complementary piece with Eichel and Connor, in my opinion. And on the third line, uh, we debated on where we want to put these two guys and we did agree we had to put the Kachuk brothers together. And ultimately, we decided to go with Matthew Kachuk on the left, Pavelski in the middle, and Brady Kachuk on the right side. And that would be a line that would be a real pain to play against. All three of those guys are hardworking players. They are willing to do what it takes to get a goal. And that would be a very fun line to watch, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. And to round out the forwards, two new guys coming in, Alex Tabrinkat on the left wing with Jason Robertson, the rookie of the year uh, nominee. He didn't win, of course, but he had a fantastic rookie year. And then we got the veteran TJ Oshie returning and back in there as the right wing on the fourth line. Yeah, and then on the bench, we've got JT Miller and uh, another guy that had a really good rookie season, Cole Caulfield especially in the playoffs. We think he could just crack that bench if he continues on the tear he had. Another guy we thought about long and hard with Josh Norris. We think that Cole Caulfield edges him out just for now, but we do think there's a lot of guys that are right on the fringe, just like with Team Canada, that could absolutely squeeze into either a roster spot or a bench spot. Moving on to defense, another stacked defense here, Mac, and pretty much a brand new defense for the United States minus John Carlson. Other than that, it's ba- it's all brand new. So we, you look at that top defensive pairing we came up with, Mac. We've got Jacob Slavin and Charlie McAvoy on that top defensive pairing. It's going to be real. It's going to be a solid top line defensive pairing. And that's going to be fabulous to see. And the Americans, one thing that I did notice between the 2014 Olympics roster and this one, Mac is just, how much better the Americans have in terms of defensive depth. It's absolutely incredible. There were a lot of guys that you and I debated about coming onto this roster. So what about that second line, Matt? Who do you have on the second? 
Yeah, we're going to go with Ryan McDonough, still a very, very good defenseman. And Adam Fox, who is a terrific young defenseman, one of the best in the league, will take that second spot on the right side. And then we decided to go with an interesting third pairing. I'll let Matt take it away here. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, We thought potentially about making it our first pairing, but in terms of we wanted a better overall defensive top pairing, two-way game. So Ruwenski and Carlson have ended up being our third pairing, but the firepower from those two, and I do think they'd be the top defensive pairing on a power play for sure for the United States, but a very, very solid third pairing for the Americans. And then who who did we end up going with for the Spares? Yeah, this was tough too, because there's so many guys who have a shot at this, but we ended up going young here. Like Matt said, that is a theme here. I think it's important for a lot of teams in this tournament to go young. If you have the young talent available, we went with Jacob Chikrin and also Quinn Hughes for the Spares. Absolutely. <clears throat> Excuse me. Absolutely. And uh, once again, a lot more guys that were right on the edge and we ultimately, and these guys ultimately beat him out. But the Americans, just like the Canadians, are going to have a lot of thinking to do about who they want to bring on that roster because there's a lot of really good guys for both countries, but only so many spots. Goaltending, once again, uh, a spot where you and I found we didn't have to do quite as much work. We believe Hellebuck is absolutely going to get that number one spot. Minus, unless he's injured or something like that, he will be the starter for the United States at the Olympics. We also have rounded out the uh, tandem with John Gibson and Demko as that third starter. All right. And we decided to go with the Russians for our third and final roster here, Mac. And now this is a pretty much completely new roster since the last time the Russians sent NHLers to the Olympics. The only guys that are for sure locks for returning Mac are Ovechkin and Malkin and potentially Barlamov might return there, but the only ones we can say for sure are Malkin and Ovechkin. Other than that, it's all new. And how about that new first line? All right. On that first line, I'm going to go with Alex Ovechkin. He's proven. You know what he is. He's a great scorer. And then I'm going to put Malkin in the middle. And also on the right side, I'm going to put Nikita Kucherov. I think that's a real solid top line. That's going to be one of the big changes between the last Russian roster and this one is that Kucherov is going to be there. He's going to make a big difference for the Russians. But one thing that is a constant with the Russians, you know, I discussed this as we started picking players for the Russian roster, Mac, is that problem the Russians run into, and they will probably run into it again this year, is that there's not a lot of doubt. Once we get past the second line here, it really is a drop-off. And that's ultimately what I think is going to hurt the Russians in terms of getting a medal shot is not that these guys are bad. It's just that the talent between the top six and the bottom six is a huge gap in my opinion, in some places, but anyways, our second line, another real solid line here, Matt, you've got Panarin on the left side. You've got Kuznetsov in the middle and we've got Svechnikov at wing and another guy, Svechnikov's another young Russian that's going to come in, and I think he's going to make a big difference for the Russians. He's going to give them that offensive firepower that they need, and I think that it's going to be a very, very difficult task for some of those Group B opponents to face off 
to try and shut down guys like Ovechkin, Malkin, and Kucherov, Panarin, Kuznetsov, Svechnikov, night in and night out. Because one thing the Russians are really good at doing, and we've known this for decades now, they produce fabulous scores. These top two lines just prove that. The top two lines are just offensively gifted. And let's move on to that third line now, Mac. We've talked about the firepower on the top two lines. The third line isn't too bad either. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you've got you've got a good young player in Buchnevich, who I'm a big fan of. You've got a reliable two-way player in Nichushkin, very good player, hard to play against. And why not throw Kaprizov in there? I mean, that's a pretty good third line. Now, what you did mention is where they run into trouble is the depth. And I'll be honest, this fourth line is is not great. They don't even have a center on this fourth line. So yeah, this fourth line really is a quite the drop off from uh, the top three. And I think, as you mentioned, I think this is where they're going to come in to some trouble, but that third, that fourth line will be Mikheyev, Trenin and Voracek. And it's not horrible, but compared to what we saw on the Canadian and American Olympic rosters, the, the depth just isn't there. And that's going to uh, certainly be noticed especially as we uh, get into the later stages of the Olympic tournament, players are going to get tired. Remember, it's a sprint. They, uh, they're going to show up in Beijing and they're going to play multiple back-to-back games and they're going to need to have to have some depth if they really want to compete for a medal. And I don't know if that firepower on the top two, three lines is going to be enough to put them over the top, but... We shall see. And in terms of who do, in terms of bench players, who do we have as some spares, Mac? Yeah, we're gonna go with the veteran Alex Radulov. It was tough to find anybody else, really. But when he's healthy, he can be good. Although he's not very healthy much these days. And then we're gonna go with the rookie Gregory Denisenko of the Florida Panthers. Very talented player, great scorer, potentially a guy they would want on the roster. The other guy I do have to mention is uh, the Canucks prospect, Pud Colson. He could potentially make the team as well. Yeah, absolutely. And then let's move on to defense. I like this top pairing quite a bit, Mac. It's Mikhail Sergachev and Dmitry Orlov, two solid, solid top pairing defensemen right there. I really like that top pairing right there. But uh, after that, I think it does drop off quite a bit because you got two real, arguably all-star caliber defensemen, and then the rest are kind of mid-tier guys, wouldn't you say, Mac? Yeah, for sure. And that's not you know an insult to Russia. It's just that they're not really developing a lot of really good defensemen. And there's two guys there that you and I both quite like. First of all, you got to mention Artem Zub, who had a great year with Ottawa. He's an older rookie, but... I think he's good enough to make the team. And then also Alex Romanov of the Montreal Canadiens. Very raw talent, but you could clearly see a lot of good things from that rookie year. And I think he deserves to make it over someone like, let's say, Zaitsev or Zadorov. Absolutely. And then our second pairing, we've also got a Prorog going and we've got Gavrikov going as well. So another decent pairing there, Mac, but it's not world-blowing mind-blowing type stuff like the Americans and Canadians have. And I think that that's ultimately going to be what's going to be the downfall for the Russians, Mac, is that their defense just isn't quite up to the level that the Canadians, the Americans, and even the Swedish have. But it doesn't mean that the Russians are going to be sending a bad 
roster at all. This is a de- this is a solid roster, and I do think they will contend for a medal. But in terms of going all the way to a gold medal against a team like the United States or Canada, I think they'll be in tough. Yeah, for sure. Now, the one thing you can say as we get to the last part of the roster here is they have absolutely outstanding goaltending. And I wouldn't want to face Andre Vasilevsky anytime, but in the Olympics with a gold medal on the line, I mean, we've seen how tough he is with a Stanley Cup on the line. He's already won two. I mean, he he has the potential or the ability, should I say, to really keep this team in the tournament and keep this team going a long way. And there's a lot of things that could happen. You know, maybe a guy like Buchnevich plays at a higher level than you thought. He seems to be developing into a really good player. You know, Svechnikov is a guy who has that elite level talent and has shown he can score lots of goals. He's a great player. Panarin is a guy who can carry your team. Malkin, Kucherov, Kaprizov. You've got the talent. It's just, can the defense hold up well enough against these teams like the U.S. and Canada? And, well, I think the biggest question is, can Vasilevsky save your butts enough so that you can get that far? And he's proven that he can. He's one of the best goalies I've seen in my life, even at a young age. So then you've got Varlamov and Sorokin in those final two spots. These are three goalies who could carry you, either one. But obviously, if you had the choice, you would play Vasilevsky every single game. Absolutely. I think that that's where the Russians really make up for their weak defense because not that Canada and the United States or the Swedes are going to be sending horrible goaltenders. Of course not. They're going to be sending great goaltenders. But the Russian goaltending development program the last 10, 15 years has just been turning a great goaltender after great goaltender. There's a lot of really good goaltenders that are in the KHL as well. You and I have talked a lot about Askarov, for example, in the past, and I still believe that he will eventually turn out to be a very good goaltender for the Nashville Predators one day. Of course, he's not quite there yet, but you're right. It's a short tournament and anything can happen. And if Andre Vasilevsky plays as well as we think he can, he could absolutely frustrate the Canadians or the Americans or the Swedes or the Finnish or any other team they face enough to get them into that gold medal game. The the Russians are going to be a very interesting case team to watch because we don't know what to expect from Same with any of these teams really overall. It's been so long since NHLers have been to the winter Olympics. It's basically a a clean sheet for every team. So expectations of course, for teams like the Canadians and the Americans and the Russians will be to win the gold medal. But remember there is only one gold medal match. So competition for it is going to be fierce. This Olympic tournament, I'm really glad the NHL decided to go because it is going to be, fascinating to watch all new rosters for pretty much every country this winter. Yeah, for sure. I'm really looking forward to it. I mean, we haven't had Olympics since 2014 with hockey. And as the joke goes here in Canada, I mean, we look forward to the winter Olympics for one reason and one reason only hockey. And if there's no hockey, you know, it's okay, but we're not really that great at the other winter sports. I I should say. Well, remember uh, in 2018, uh, not to get too off track here, in 2018, it was the Canadian roster was mostly uh, either veterans that were about to retire from hockey or full-time AHLers that have played their entire career in the AHL. And it's not that they were bad players. They could be either you and I in hockey any day. 
but compared to the unusual talent level that Canada could send to the Olympics with the NHL going, it just wasn't the same watching hockey. And of course that's, we haven't even gotten into our women's team and unfortunately we won't have time to really get into them today, but how about that gold medal game between the Canadians and the Americans? Fabulous game. Marie-Philippe Poulain with a clutch overtime winner in Calgary to win the Women's World Championship for Canada in overtime. And fun, fun fact, I think a lot of Canadians don't realize this, this. That was Canada's first gold medal at the Women's World since the early 2010s. So it'd been a while. The Americans, in terms of women's hockey, have been very dominant the last decade. And Canada seems to finally be cracking that now. And it's exciting to see. And I think Canada, USA, women's will probably face off again in the gold medal game at the Olympics, if I had to guess. And that will be a really intense game. And if the uh, women's world were any indication, that game is going to be worth the uh, early morning to watch. Oh, absolutely. That was a terrific tournament. Great gold medal game. You and I watched that one together. Um Okay, I'm going to put you on the spot here before we kind of wrap up this episode. Your prediction here, who is in the finals? Who is in the gold medal game for the upcoming Olympics? Well, I already mentioned women's, Canada, USA. But in terms of the uh, gold medal game for the men's, it does get interesting, especially because we don't know a lot of the rosters yet. But I do think Canada will be in there. And then... I think that the, uh, I'm going to go a little off the board, not too far. I think the Finns, the Mm. Finns always find a way, even when they don't have all the top tier talent, Mac, they always find a way to hang in there. They frustrate their opponents. They play really good defense. They play full 60 minutes. I think it'll be enough to get them into the gold medal game because they've been knocking at the door to get into the gold medal game. The past few Olympics, they just haven't gone there. I think this is the year. What about you? Yeah, that's interesting. I'm going to stick with the kind of typical or usual matchup. I'm going to say Canada versus USA, and I think Canada is going to win. I mean, the biggest reason Canada is going to win is because they're just so much better than they were in 2014, and that's kind of scary to say. But, I mean, like just, just think about this for a second. On the same team, you have McKinnon, Crosby, Marshawn, McDavid, and more. The defense is even better than it was. They're faster. They're more skilled. I would say the goaltending is better with the depth you have. So I don't know, man. I like. I just look at this roster on paper, and the thing is, this is always the X factor for a team as talented as Canada, and we all know this, is what is their work ethic going to be like? Are they going to be able to compete with teams not just by scoring goals? That is the biggest question because, as we did mention, this is a much more offensive, faster, smaller Team Canada. Absolutely. And I think that the Canadians, uh, you, as you mentioned, Canada sometimes just beats themselves. Look at the World Juniors this year, Mac. Canada was playing great. They were having a good tournament. Although you and I mentioned uh, we were talking during going into the gold medal game that, that Canada was probably going to find a way to lose to the Americans. And it was just self-inflicted wounds. It felt like the Americans wanted it more. And that's been a problem that's been holding back Canada the last 10 years or so. So if they can overcome that, they are obviously the team to beat. The Olympic tournament is going to be a lot of fun regardless. 
we haven't even really gotten a chance to talk about teams like the Czech Republic, the Swedes, the Finnish. There's all sorts of teams that are going to be going for the medal as well, and they aren't going to be easy outs. Canada's gotten a pretty favorable draw. I mentioned this on the last episode. The only real tough team the Canadians will have to face is the Americans in round one. And other than that, they'll be facing the Chinese and the Germans. Now, the Germans, I will say, touch on very quickly here, Matt, that they aren't going to win a medal. I know that. But the German hockey program shouldn't be underestimated anymore because it's just getting better and better. Guys like Tim Stutzla and Leon Dreisaitl will be there for the German hockey team. And the German team is going to be one I'm probably going to keep an eye on because I think they could surprise some people. I don't think they'll get out of the group stage, but I think they'll certainly give teams like Canada and the U.S. a bit more of a scare than people may expect. Yeah, for sure. All right. Anything else before we wrap up this episode, Matt? We're just waiting like the rest of you for the NHL to really kick in the high gear. It should happen in the next couple of weeks. And for our next episode, I'm sure you and I are going to have an awful lot to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, as always, Center Ice is brought to you by the National Podcast Network. And you can find us wherever you listen to your podcasts. As always, enjoy the games, guys. (laughs) 